Welcome to Never End the Story, a rewatch podcast where we watch the movies of our childhood, along with Tepper, a grown man who's never seen them before. I'm your host, Ivan. Not going to forget an opener this time. I'm Heather. That doesn't count. That's not my opener. I like Russian literature. I'm Spencer, and I'm the subject of a vast conspiracy. And I'm Tepper. Wait, this week we'll... You didn't have an opener! He, he never does. Yeah, like I, never, I never do. It's his privilege as the subject of the show. <laughs> okay. Because like his opener would always be Tepper and I'm and I'm the guy. I'm the guy. Of, I'm the guy about the show. <laughs> I've seen one movie in my life. Show me more, please. <laughs> Insert the Spy Kids 3 quote or whatever. I'm the guy. <laughs> so we've seen Spy Kids 3. That's two movies. Sorry, continue. What are we watching this week, Ivan? <laughs> This week, we'll be watching The Trotsky, directed by Jacob Tierney, released in 2009. Uh, the director uh, learned about Leon Trotsky as a child and became fascinated with the Russian figure and his life. Also, this movie has very little trivia on IMDb. That itself <laughs> is trivia. Mm. Oh my. Uh, Spencer brought this movie to us this week. Why? So, um, I was talking to our friend Garrett recently about like the period in your life where you think like, oh man, I'm experiencing this as an adult. But when you look back objectively, you were a child. So like the age of maybe 13 to 15, where you're like, oh no, I'm going to go watch this like very adult movie and I will understand it for I am now an adult. And then I go and I go like, you know, I don't really think I actually understood the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't really think that I fully grasped the themes when I watched it when I was 17. I thought that was, like, a really long movie with some gangsters. <laughs> That's the theme. And, like, now I'm realizing that, like, no, I think if I watched it now, I'd go, like, oh, this is right. Okay. I see what this is talking about uh, here. Ah, culture. Um, similarly, uh, I saw this movie, um, I believe, like, in 2009. Uh, and I was, like, I'm going to go see, like... A movie at the not the big cinema right we're gonna go to the little artsy one and see like kind of whatever's going on there and i saw this movie and and i just remember thinking like okay so like ah mm, i guess like i remember thinking to myself like man this is like one of the movies that i mentioned for like indie cred or if <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> right <laughs> like, um but like it was it was really good and weird and like a bunch of the stuff that I thought that about in that era, I look back on now and go like, no, no, that was, that was wrong. But like the, as time goes past and I look back on this movie, I go like, this is such a weird fucking movie. It's like decently good, but not like, not good in a boring way. Let me tell you that. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? So, like, there's what lots is of good in a boring way. Uh, so, there's a bunch of movies that we watched uh, on the back, podcast. Back to the Future would be good in in a boring way, in that okay. it's just such a solidly constructed movie that you spend most of your time talking about it, going like, "Man, wasn't that good, guys?" And everyone goes like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and they nod their heads and go, "That was good. That was good." And that's all you do. Whereas, like, some of the best podcasts we do are about bad movies because we have quite a lot to say and analyze, yeah. but not the ones that are just trash, where you just go, like, I don't I don't really, this movie just was uninspired. It's the ones where you go, like, what the heck was going on with this? Yeah. And I think that this is a movie that, like, we're going to have a lot to say about it afterwards because it just has 
a lot of weird things that go on in it that individually you kind of want to talk about. And then you go like, what the heck was this movie? Cool. Okay. It also uh, stars the same character or like the same actor as the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah. Not Not, Nicolas Cage. Not Justin Long. Not Nicolas Cage either. I'm disappointed. (laughs) This, This is breaking the streak then. Yes. Also not Vin Diesel. Yes. Um, also, I presume you have the IMDb page handy. This movie was presumably directed like, or like was produced in Canada or like by a Canadian. Cause like it's oddly Canadian in a couple just like weird ways that I think, I don't know. It would be odd if this person had observed our culture from the outside. Yes. <laughs> um, the director and uh, Jacob Tierney is he's born in Montreal and he uh, we we would know him as Glenn in Letterkenny he also has a part writing and directing uh, pieces of Letterkenny so very very Canadian inspired in his works oh interesting okay awesome yeah because yeah like I, I, I really want to not say too much about this movie because I think the less I say about it the more we'll have to say after but um, I think that this movie has aged very well in my mind. So you still get the indie cred. It's a it, you're gonna watch this movie and go like that. That seems like the kind of movie that you'd see at the Princess Twin Cinema. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I don't think you're a man of culture, like Garrett, our friend. Mm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you stupid face. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I mean, once this movie blows up on our podcast, it won't be indie anymore. That's, that's true. Mm. We ruin the very things we love. <laughs> Just like the core, no longer an indie film. <laughs> oh. uh, yes, the indie production, the core. Truly uh. a piece of art. <laughs> a labor that of would love. Explain so much about that movie. <laughs> you have to recontextualize it and you'll appreciate it more. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just ignore who made it and how much they spent on it. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Uh, reading the core is an aspect of auteur films theory. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, all of this is super intentional and, like, meaningful. <laughs> Every single frame. It works on many different levels. Uh, does anyone else have a personal connection to this film? I've never heard of this film before in my life. Yeah. I have also not. I have also never heard of this film before in my life, but I'm very excited by its premise. And I did not realize Jacob Tierney. I didn't know who that was until I did a quick dive trying to make sure I was pronouncing his name right, which I haven't confirmed if I did or not. And that's when I found out he was he's uh, works with Letterkenny. Uh, we're now showing Tepper, the poster for the movie. Please describe it and tell us what you think the movie's about. Okay. I don't fault you if you can't read all of that writing. Yeah, uh, okay. So the background of this poster is basically a bunch of individual pictures stitched together. Uh, there's like a mix of the protagonist, protagonist getting arrested, the protagonist at like a march, protagonist in front of a car, protagonist kissing a girl you know so on and so forth some like black panther looking 
guys and girls. Wait, what? Oh, left. okay. Sorry. I was just like, wait, is that just what you call black people? i was just curious i was looking through this freaking movie poster being like where are you seeing this shit (laughs) okay i get it yeah they look intimidating they could be they could be black panthers or maybe they just just are black people you never know i mean initially they're all dressed in like matching black clothes and standing like scarily not scarily, like, like in a, formation. Yeah. Like, like in the same way as like like uh 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 there's there's a difference between saying scary and like if you saw like a military troop coming at you, like that's frightening, but for like a different reason. Like they look like prepared. Yeah, intimidating, not scary. Yeah. <laughs> and uh like, what's the word for grouped? But a nicer word. <laughs> Never mind. Formation? Cut this. No, Shauna, keep this. Keep this. Keep this. Heather must suffer. Uh, Yeah, and then um, the middle of the poster is a, like, raised fist. Uh, At the top says, Jay Baronshell delivers a breakout performance, the most genuine, authentic, legitimately funny teen movie since... I honestly don't know what that one is. Since some teen movie, yeah, Heather's. It, you would that would be my guess. But it's it like it's like, it, it's like an it looks H. like Heather's. Yeah, it's like an H or an M. No, there. Uh, Heather's is the name of a high school film oh, about a group of girls named Heather. That. So there's the there's the Heather's remake that came out recently, which is a remake of Heather's. A remake? Okay, yeah, my parents wouldn't let me see that, and I really wanted to. They said it was really fucked up. It, it is really <laughs> it's kind of a fucked up movie. Uh, and then uh, continuing on or John Hughes movies um, Sun Media and then uh, has the title of the movie The Trotsky uh, in all red and then it's got kind of like the rest of the credits and then there is a wristband that says the revolution begins in high school and then uh, the protagonist is walking and then only in theaters May 14th we missed it. Yeah. Maybe May 14th next year. We'll see it. Perfect. So, like, because this is on the poster, the one thing I will say about this movie, like, before we watch it, is um, I really think that this is almost like a postmodern reaction to John Hughes movies. Who is John Hughes? John Hughes made uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and, oh, okay. I believe, The ah. Breakfast Club. Oh, I like The Breakfast um, Club. He, he made a whole bunch of those movies in the 80s that are, like, record scratch. I bet you're wondering how I got here. Like, a lot of that comes from, <laughs> from his, like, his movies and things that are inspired by him. Okay. Um, so, like, the 80s high school movie, those are John Hughes movies. Right. As a genre, not necessarily okay. made by John Hughes, but like he's he's the definitive director in that space. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, so John Hughes, Heather, just uh, the Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, Weird Science, Planes, Trains, Automobiles, oh God, Home, Home Alone, Alone, Uncle Buck, Soul. National Lampoon. Wait, he did Home kind Alone. Of wonderful. Yeah, and yeah. Uncle Buck. Uh, I, okay. I believe he did all three Home Alone. I'm into it. Wait, this wow. movie is not a John Hughes movie? Yeah, no, like he's a he's a very prolific director. It's just that like he didn't do this 
No, no. Uh, Spencer is saying that this movie is almost like a response to his movies. Got it. Got it. Like you'll see this and you'll be like, I see how this had like, like this has like the skeleton of a 80s high school teen movie, but like with weird flesh put on it in, uh, in new ways. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just that's okay. just the normal puberty puberty experience, right? Oh, jeez. You've yes. got your normal teen skeleton, but you've got w- weird, weird flesh. flesh forming on it. Yeah. In, in weird in new ways. Changing, mm-hmm. morphing. Hmm. Puberty.jpg. It's scary. It is. Don't worry, Tepper, you've already gone through it. It's fine. You don't have to be scared anymore. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Every night I have nightmares. I'm also just super curious to know what Tepper's going to think of the main actor, because I heard he did not like him at the source. Yeah, yeah. No, I, d- I did not like him at all in uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Uh, he He's like, if they just completely removed him from the movie, that movie would be easily like a s- at least a 6 to a 7 out of 10. Yeah, dude, Nicolas Cage was so fucking, like, hot and leathery in that movie. Oh my <laughs> yes. lord, I could have yes. watched only Nicolas Cage for, like, a million years. Yes. It just happened to have a kind of goofy other guy in it, but, like, give me more Nicolas Cage. The, the, yeah. the problem is, is that, like, 90% of Nicolas Cage's dialogue was exposition to the, like, main character, who was just, like, the exposition lightning rod. Like, he was connected to the audience and, and received it for us. Yeah, but, like, when he would, like, talk with the antagonist like that was pretty good oh that would absolutely be boss but like without 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 those periods of him explaining it um like him just rattling off obscure proper names of <laughs> bullshit that we yeah. don't understand yeah. or haven't heard of <laughs> i mean he could have like the movie so the movie could have just started he adopts a cat it knocked it knocks over the the uh the matryoshka doll and then knocks over the vase and traps them for 10 years. And then he can just deliver exposition to a cat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, let's do a deep fake where Nicolas Cage plays all the roles. <laughs> <laughs> Except Dr. Ock. Doc, Doc Ock did a good job. I liked him. He was a yes. nice anti-villain. He was really Dr. Ock. Dr. Ock, <laughs> this is his official name. Doc, Doc Ock, MD. MD. <laughs> Do you think he's a medical doctor? No, I thought, that he, I thought that he had a doctor no, in physics. Definitely not. Yeah. Listen, he cuts arms onto himself. He needs scalpel. What's arm? I think it's probably his lack of medical degree that leads to some of his issues. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Doc Ock, MD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Can we get can like can Disney Plus like start a house style uh medical drama with with uh Doc Ock? Oh my god. <laughs> be an amazing surgeon. Think about it. He's got so many fucking yeah. arms and shit. I mean, think about the scene of in the surgery room in the uh in the Tobey Maguire movie. Yeah, that that shit Perfect. scarred me when I was a kid. It's a pretty horrifying scene. Well, like in the rest of children's movie, yeah, like the rest of the movie is like pretty tame. And that scene, like, I actually had to like because I saw it a friend's birthday party. I saw it, and I can't remember how old I was, but I was like pretty young. Like, I actually had to like look away. Like that scene was incredibly frightening. Mm-hmm. Really cool, but like really fucked up. 
and almost certainly incredibly relevant to this movie we're about to watch. But yeah, yeah. So that's that's the poster. I'm I'm excited to see if Jay uh, Barnes Barnshell Barnshell Barnes and Noble Barnes and Noble. Yeah, I like that. Jay Barnes and Noble is actually a good actor. Or if it was like Sorcerer's Apprentice just used him in the worst possible way. Let's let's query the room here. Spencer, did you think he was a good actor in Sorcerer's Apprentice? In Sorcerer's Apprentice? Yeah. Okay, so like... It's a yes or no question. Um, <laughs> no defense allowed. Okay, so like... Seems like no. I think that he was a good in- actor in that I think that he did exactly what he was told to do which was play that character that you played, but, like, receive your exposition from Nicolas Cage and, like, have your coming of age. You know what I mean? Like, okay. like I, I assume that he followed the direction that he was given. I have issue with the direction that he was given. <laughs> fair. That's fair. <laughs> like, I think that he acted the way that he was told to and the best that he could have. I don't think that that was used well. Because he plays, like, a very similar character in this, but in this I go, like, well, yeah, like he's a smarmy dick, but that's like clearly. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, name a name a leading communist who wasn't a smarmy dick. My problem with this guy is he's such a turbo nerd and like seems to be like it seems like he acts like that too, and then he somehow gets hot chicks. Like what question mark? Even on this poster, he's kissing a chick. Oh, yeah, fucking right. Just yeah, who wouldn't want to kiss the reincarnation of Trotsky? We'll talk about it. Is that what he is? I have no idea what this movie is. Let's watch it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll watch the movie. Uh, Spence, Spence, you're just, just talk- talking about it right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad. All right. We'll see you after the film. Yeah, uh, a girl dressed as Ayn Rand just told me that you threw her out. Yeah. And? Why? This is a fascist-free zone, Dwight. Maybe you should leave as well. Okay, yeah. And we're back. So, what did everyone think? This movie was a trip. Amazing. Legitimately so happy. It's it's weird. I told you. It's <laughs> not my kind of movie. I enjoyed it, and it's possibly the best written movie I've seen. Um, But yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm sure you guys mostly know, like, I don't tend not to enjoy like cringy humor in movies so there are definitely like parts i i, I feel very strong secondhand embarrassment for uh, fictional characters mm-hmm. uh, i wish it was something i could turn off uh so i could better enjoy movies like this there were definitely parts in the first half of this movie where i was like uh kind of had to like look away take my headset off but uh the second half of the movie and also just like this movie in general, like even like the cringier parts was, I'm not hundred percent sure how I feel about this movie. I would say it was a hundred percent worth watching. And it's something I'm probably going to be thinking about for like the next two weeks. <laughs> Cause it <Right>. was just. This movie was actually fucking hilarious and yeah. I loved it so much. Like there were so many times that they just like had little one-liners and I just like bust myself laughing. A girl amazing. dressed as Ayn Rand says that she <laughs> her out. Yes. Oh my oh god. My god. I, I, oh yeah. God. It's so earnest. Yeah. Yeah, it was um 
Fuck, even like the opening where it's like going over his board and it's like get exiled again. Hopefully somewhere warm. <laughs> so you see what I mean? So like I want to say like I agree with like the there are parts of this that are cringy, which is where like I think that it makes it makes it like think of this as a response to Ferris Bueller's Day yeah. Off and the Breakfast Club. And like it has to be a little cringy. Yes. Uh, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying cringe is necessarily bad. I just have a hard time with it. Right. Like, like, like I'm not saying like, oh, like it's cringy, it's bad or anything else like that. It's just like for me personally, I sometimes have a hard time watching that stuff. But I, uh, when you were saying like this is like a postmodern version of like Ferris Bueller's Day Off and everything like that. Yeah. But before we jump into that, I just want to say the main actor – Turns out it was just sources. Rentis just could not utilize him. Yeah, like this this movie was perfect. Like he nailed yeah. the role of what would uh, a, a son of like a really rich family who believes he's Leon Trotsky act like? Yes, absolutely. Oh, like, you yeah. see, you did really you see well. how he was playing the same character in the Sorcerer's Apprentice. <laughs> yes. like they took the confidence and they dialed it way down. But like other than that. Basically the same dude. Yeah, he's like a dork. <laughs> yeah, but Sorcerer's Apprentice was just not a good use of his talents. Like, no, it was and just... like, this, you, th- again, like, the whole time you're sitting there going, like, yeah, this kid is kind of cringy, and, like, yeah, he's making a big deal about high school, but then at the end of it, you're sitting there going, like, I, I, I'm rooting for this kid. <laughs> I like him and his weird... <laughs> yeah, well, like, his struggles and everything else, like... Well, uh, the the like underlying theme of the movie of boredom versus apathy, uh, and how does a revolution happen? Uh, like that to me were the two key like sub themes of this movie, and uh, there's some very interesting discussion that happens. Some key scenes for me are when he takes the principal hostage, and it's just like the two of them are just chatting, mm. and the principal basically goes like. No, man, like the, they're not going to show up because basically because they're conditioned to not show up like they're they, they don't care. They don't they just want the same stuff. They have no voice. They're just kids. And meanwhile, like like he's arguing it's apathy. And then Leon is the argument for it's simply boredom mm-hmm. uh, and that they just need to have an understanding of the power that they hold uh, and that. They can have their voices heard if they try. And like they're they're full people. Yes. Despite yes. what people are trying to tell them. Well, yes. and like that's one of the weird things is like on the one hand you go like this is really goofy that it's about high school, but the, on the other side of the coin you go like no, objectively, like if a high school student said to me like I have a right to participate in the way that my education happens, I go like I, I think I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like like schools are basically miniature prisons uh there was a great quote i saw online by by uh, a writer who he basically said like school is the place where you will see probably the most violence in your life yeah uh uh, and like yeah yeah uh and like those discussions about like you know um he's standing up for his rights but it's interesting because like it's He's not like a one man show. Like it's not like he's the person who does everything and overcomes. He's just a part of it. Ultimately, it was uh, what was Tony. the blonde hair? 
Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> was the one who could get Dwight to finally shut the fuck up. <laughs> but but also to speak to what Leon was trying to do and to participate and to convince other people to go along. Like Leon himself was not this like great and wonderful hero who did everything on his own. No. Leon was a very flawed person. If anything, he like actually really repeatedly failed to connect with hardly anyone in this movie. Well, but I I do think that one of Leon's like major strengths as like kind of fits the theme is that he's really good and at understanding that he can't do all of these things alone. Like he needs other people. He knows that. And it might just be because he thinks he's Leon Trotsky and Leon Trotsky had friends like that Vladimir <laughs> guy. Yeah. Um, but like, it seems like he really does understand the value of like having other people who believe in your cause so that yes. they can be the cause too. And like Leon is the person who convinced that person to make that speech. So yeah, it was just nice to see how the movie followed through on its theme of like, no, like everybody needs to come together for this. Like it can't just be a couple like small people. It needs to be everyone needs to have their voice heard. And, and that ultimately it's those friends that he made along the way who come to basically rescue him. Um, By the way, can I just say, well, again, like in the way that this is a response, like this is a tangent about the friends, but like the way that this is a response to the John Hughes movie like, yes. film formula, when at, when at the end you're getting the like swooping around camera and the two friends who've had like this great chemistry the whole time kiss. And he goes, yeah, I'm still gay. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I was literally convinced they were a couple that entire time. I kind of didn't even question it. And then just the like, yeah, sorry, got caught up in the moment. <laughs> but like in retrospect, the whole time you go like, oh, damn, that kid's gay. Like it's just it's not a huge part of the movie at all. No, they're just like really close, good friends, which is beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, no, and there's like, because I haven't seen many John Hughes movies. So like the main thing I would be comparing this against would be uh ferris bueller's day off we're like mm -hmm. ferris bueller is basically omnipotent like he's a guy and he everything that could go his way goes his way and trotsky is uh, a near opposite of that like he has to struggle constantly and even like his final victory there at the school was because of all of his friends came for him uh, yeah yeah like he only achieves what he what he wants when he like gets communicates it like gets his friends on his side and all that like yeah uh, whereas like Ferris starts that movie as the most popular kid in school as you know the the best the the great trickster and also like this movie is this movie's weird <laughs> so I would describe it like there's so many like um like the uh uh, uh phd grad party or whatever where her friend goes like yeah i totally had oh my god sex with my student that i tutor and like that is clearly there to try to lampshade for her yes being like three minutes away from fucking a 17 year old and i like how they like what 17 year old says i am 17 and three quarters <laughs> <laughs> Like, a guy who believes himself to be Leon Trotsky. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just saying that, like that, that really seems like it was put there so that to like, cover themselves. Conceivably, he could be 18. Now, obviously, also it's yeah. Well, so you know that he is 18 by the time they they bone. Yeah, right. Exactly. I thought it was so that you could understand when Alexander says, "Hello, I'm 27." That 
this is the woman. Because uh, also that. Right. Yeah, also that. <laughs> well, exactly. But, like, yeah, one of the things that I really thought we would talk about is, like, oh, low-key, this movie does just kind of, like, happy ending these two people who are 10 years apart. And yeah. And is technically still a child when they started dating. Uh, yeah, it, it is. That's, like, one of the most bizarre parts of this movie. Do they, like, show his birthday? I can't remember. No, they don't. So we don't clearly know that he is 18. No, it's just that we're kind it's, of mentioned. It's made, it's made clear through his mentions of how close he is to being that and the passage of time that is subtly shown in the movie. Yeah. I mean, like, in all honesty, two months difference in age. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, whatever. It's, yeah, like, two more months pass, but that, like, that's all that the law cares about yeah to be honest too um i wouldn't be surprised if like the age of consent in quebec was like 15 or 16 yeah it probably is yeah it might be be different though for like with the age gap because it's usually like 14 year olds can have sex with each other but like if you have a 14 year old and someone who's not a minor it's more of a big deal right yeah because then it turns into like power difference yeah uh, but uh, uh, just like the way they like frame that initial like it's like oh at the party and the way she's just like oh yeah he came a lot like it was thing it was like mm. <laughs> and then oh just God, like yes. sk- skip forward to her first drunk knocking him in the head with a frying pan and then them having sex immediately voting yeah uh-huh. what is that. It's insane. Their their relationship, honestly, is I feel the weakest part of this movie. I, I yeah, agree. yeah. I agree. It's, it's just given me. it's given no time, and they don't really have any genuine interactions that would lead you to believe that they develop. I, I was gonna say, as far as movies go, it's one of the strongest representations of a relationship. <laughs> I honestly like. I was watching it. Like, why the fuck does she give him the time of day to even go on a date with him? Like, why does she have coffee with him in the first place? I can see her like. I can see the development of her after having initially dated him and then like falling for him. I can see that. Cause like, he's a compelling person and he like does crazy ass shit, but yeah. like she, she had no reason to go on the first date with him at she, all. She humored him. So he would stop asking her to marry him. Yeah. I think, I think that was John's got it. It was like a humor date because she, she was confident enough in herself as a 27 year old person that she could humor this this uh stalking 18 year old or close to 18 at that time yeah and then yes it just started to genuinely develop feelings for him like that's where like and like and most most movies that just have a relationship in them like this is a problematic relationship but it is displayed better than most intended non-problematic relationships in movies yeah okay again i i see the development of the relationship i just don't see the the first meeting especially when yeah i like she definitely didn't need to she definitely didn't need to go to coffee with him it's slightly forced but there's vaguely a reason that i see anyways yeah through just humoring him i think it would be um i think it would be stronger if he hadn't creeped her out the first yeah had been even like vaguely charming the first time yeah I agree with Spencer. I, I think it was the weakest part of the movie. It wasn't, and like saying that like weakest part doesn't necessarily mean it was bad. It was just it could have been better. Uh, and I, I think Spencer, your suggestion of like if their initial meeting hadn't been 
him being creepy. Like, say they had just, I don't know, like bumped into each other at like a coffee shop or something. Or if and like, started talking. He said, if he'd said the thing about like that he said at the coffee shop that like clearly impressed her with how like well spoken and thought out his whole thing is. Like, yeah. If they had like met at her father's house at like drinks or something and they'd gotten talking and he'd some- said something like that, I would be like, yeah, okay. That left an impression on her. But like the impression that he left was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. She doesn't have good friends, so she needed something in her life. True. Yeah, that, she hated her boyfriend. He well, was but and her <laughs> and her friend just abandoned her. Yeah, <laughs> when the was... stalker shows up. Yeah, see ya. Oh yeah, that's too funny. Yeah, <laughs> she's just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you alone with the stalker and just mention that you have a boyfriend. <laughs> well, I'll see ya. And like, I like how that boyfriend was written to just like suck shit as hard yeah. as possible from the first frame he was on screen, so that like ten seconds later when we found out he got dumped, we'd be like, that makes sense. But yeah. What did he do? He was just fucking making pasta. He was making pasta, but like, just like every time she was like, "Hello," he was like, "Man," <laughs> and yeah. and like. Just, like, clearly was, like, fulfilling the bad boyfriend archetype. Yeah. No, I, I get that we were supposed to hate him. I was just like, okay, sure. Well, and, like, <laughs> like, why did he get invited to the second party? That was weird. <laughs> and, like, fucking, uh, when his response when, when she looks at him is, like, it's like, this is weirder for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, great. Yeah. That doesn't matter and also isn't true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah honestly like i was sitting there going like is he a is he like a family friend of these people like i guess because yeah, like what was her, what was the woman who took care of him when he was too drunk at the party remember how she goes like okay let's come to like, like in and- uh that that was that was um the Old older thing. lawyers uh yeah. new life Right, okay. I gotta say, another tangent, I love how, like, literally every moment possible, that old lawyer dude and his friend are just hanging it's out. smoking. Yes! <laughs> yes! Uh, yeah, uh, a thing I love about this movie, too, is um, some of the shots and, like, setups for shots in this movie are great. One of my favorites is when he's hanging out with the two friends at the Seesaw, and he's passing the cigarette back yeah, and forth to that them. Was fun. I like that. That was really, really neat. And then there was another shot that impressed me was the uh, when the phone calls were happening, mm. and the, the the screen is split in three with each of them, like the professor, the grad student, <laughs> and him, and they're just swapping back and number? forth. Yeah. <laughs> I love how it takes the time at the end to cut back to the old lawyer on the phone and he's just sitting there smoking and he kind of looks at the phone like, did she just say hang up? Yeah. Like, okay, I guess that's it. But yeah, the, the, old, the, the old lawyer and uh, his like girlfriend or whatever mm. were like, just, yeah, you're right. Like they're just always smoking pot. Always. Just fucking constantly. <laughs> and like, I really like that this movie like throws in a bunch of shit like that, but like doesn't talk about it. Like, one kid who's just like, yeah, I'm still gay. And you're just kind of like, that was actually really progressive for 2009, especially to like not bring it up at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's not a part of his character. Yeah, like, yeah. like Just who he is. Yeah. And like they don't, they don't go like, yeah, this guy's smoking pot. They just kind of go like, yeah, obviously this guy is an old lawyer who like Leon found for a reason. And like 
smokes a bunch of pot and talks about going to Berkeley. <laughs> yeah, well, and also, like, comes across as just somebody who's, like, super progressive, like, former guy who tried to organize stuff and everything, like... And, and that brings me to another great conversation that happened in this movie was when he was talking to Leon at the party that the ex-boyfriend was at about, like, organizing and how people will attach themselves to movements to live in what they think is exciting or cool or fun. But that real change is never done through that. And that what you need is people who are serious. And if you don't have people who are serious, it doesn't matter how much of those, how many of those fun seekers join you. It's not going to, it's not going to work. Maybe my favorite line in the movie was at the uh, second family dinner when the brother was just like, it's like, did the, did the real Leon Trotsky uh, make, make his family the laughingstock of the entire city? And his response was, only half the city. The French don't it's care about us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. And, well, oh. uh, again, like I said, weirdly Canadian movie. It's not weird. Yeah, yeah. It's not, like, I was like thinking through this movie as it got further in. I was like, huh, I wonder why Spencer was reminded of Canada in this movie because it's so fucking like hard set in the middle of Canada and mentioned almost every province yeah like a dig at the toronto at ontario and toronto maple leaf fans at the end yeah that was uh, real good i really liked uh did you see how drunk maggie trudeau trudeau yeah. <laughs> that was so good i was just like what the fuck is this so weird <laughs> also just like so much more relevant now and Yay. just like little yeah. weird french language thrown in there where you're like yeah like if it was an american movie set in quebec I don't know. Like, it would either would have been way more French or way less French. Whereas this felt like exactly the amount yeah. of French that I would expect yeah. from somebody who, like, lived in Quebec. Yeah, yeah that's where, where Shauna was watching it with me. Um, and, like, she, because she grew up in Quebec. And so, yeah, she was saying that's, like, the most genuine thing is just, like, at the beginning when the father just, like, starts yelling at him in English and, like, turns to the police officers and talks to them in French. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how to say hostage negotiation. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Also, the fucking uh, uh, baby carriage on the steps reoccurring nightmare. Oh, I hate that fucking movie. I hate it so much. That was so bad. I'm just like, I cannot look at this. This is so horrifying. I I do love that he basically lampshades it with the God, I hate that nightmare. <laughs> Goes back to sleep. So I know it to so be a reference, but I know nothing about the source. If I remember correctly, it was Odessa. There was something that happened with the steps there, but it's been a while since I've read that portion of Russian history. So my understanding of it is, is effectively there was some change that happened, and um, this this woman famously or whatever decided that they didn't want their child to grow up in this world. So uh-huh. they pushed them off the steps to, to free them from the world that has just been wrought. Um, I, I'm not sure if this actually happened or if it was just something that was um, cap- like cinematic. Right. Like, I'm not it's, sure if it's a famous movie scene, but... It's interesting because, like, fir- like, the first time it is his stepmom and father, and then yeah. the second time it is the... Uh, it is... Uh, the lawyer and his and Alexander. Yeah, exactly. And but it's always that it's always that baby face. Well, and like it's 
clearly an important set of symbolism in the movie <laughs> for that reason. But I really do like that they go like, because like the first time Heather's like, oh, this sucks. And I'm like, well, buckle your seatbelt. And when, yeah. like, when he wakes up the second time, it's like, oh, fuck, I hate this nightmare. <laughs> that was actually hilarious. <laughs> okay, okay. So just to refresh myself, I did a quick thing. I was right. So there was one of the most famous, like, rebellions was um well not like really rebellion sorry i'm just like getting the information right so there was a famous movie called battleship oh i don't know how to pronounce this pot temkin <laughs> but temkin so battleship <laughs> Tem- yeah there was another one called battleship earth anyway so uh, a very famous Soviet uh, silent film about the massacre of civilians uh, on the Odessa steppes by Tsar troops. Uh, also talking about th- this is what leads to the rebellion of the crew of the battleship, uh, so named. Um, and one of the famous shots is a baby in a carriage falling down the steps. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, if you give me a sec, I'll actually post the picture. Yeah, it's um of the babe. Show me the babe. It's a famous piece of cinema because of like when it happened too, right? Like, uh, well, at, at the time, it was like a really uh, uh, <laughs> it, advanced uh, filmmaking. Like it was yeah, exactly. really, really good for its time, uh, and is considered like a masterpiece of a movie. We should watch that. Naked Gun does it better because there's six babies. <laughs> well, I think Naked Gun was referencing uh, what's it called, The Untouchables. Not yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that's what that scene in that movie was was referencing. Uh, was uh, the battleship? But it, it was a weird sequence. It was a weird fucking sequence with his face and just the the. Well, I'm like, I think it's supposed to make you uncomfortable, which yeah. is what it does. Yeah, yeah, congratulations, filmmakers. You did it. You made me uncomfortable. <laughs> also, like, his sister was great. Yeah, she was so supportive. Yeah, like, it was great. Like, I, I expected, like, this movie to basically be, like, you know, he's a soul crazy person and, like, everybody treats him like a crazy person. When it's like, no, right from the outside of the movie, like, his sister is like, yeah, let's I'm totally down with the revolution. Like, let's do it. Like the stepmother was supportive, but like not fully understanding. But like the sister was fully on board. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. His brother was a dick, though. Yeah, yes. his brother was a huge dick. <laughs> his brother was just trying to have fun, man. I love, I love when like the the brother's wife says to him, like, "Can you just fucking not?" And he goes. He's my brother. I can say what I want. Yeah, like, that is so not the point she's trying to make. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you have the option to just shut your fucking mouth and not say anything. Just be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh man. Yeah, those dinner sequences were always <laughs> like when his dad just keeps reading through it and like the initial thing of like. Oh, and it doesn't say anything in his biography about like you going to boarding school. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Also, is the the little red book he gave him part of the whole deal? 
Yeah, so. it's it's Mao uh, uh, Chinese Revolution. It was like Mao's. Um... No, I realized what it was. I'm just wondering, like, oh. is that part of the myth of Trotsky? <laughs> like, did his dad read that book and say, like, no, oh, no, his father gave him this? No, the Chinese Revolution happened. Well, the initial Chinese Revolution happened well after. So it's just Russians. like a, it's a it's a similar enough kind of thing. I think yeah, like, yeah it's just like a, yeah, it's just kind of like a <laughs> communist paraphernalia. Uh, yeah, yeah. here's yeah, here's Mao's little red book. But yeah, remember when I said that this movie was uh, good, but in a really interesting way? Yeah, yeah. this is actually good. I like this a lot. Yeah. But like, not good like Back to the Future, where you go like, oh, this was a well crafted film. But you walk out of that and you go like. So you guys all saw that too, right? Well, it, it, it the thing I like about it, and, and what I've said about like what drives discussion in a lot of other episodes is, um, there's got to be there's got to be layers to the movie. Like like for me, Back to the Future, there's it, it's it's uh, there's not a whole lot going going on under the hood. But like it's an, it's two. No, I have not. Oh well, holy shit! That has so many layers. First yeah. to go to the future, then the future goes to the past, and it changes the present, which is the past from the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though, though, those aren't the layers I'm talking about. Man. I'm talking more like <laughs> layers of <laughs> themes and <laughs> characters and things, not, not layers of time travel. Heather just said, whoa, the present <laughs> is the past from the future. <laughs> you gave me a lot of fucking edibles, okay? <laughs> Um, Prison is the past. <laughs> okay, one thing I gotta say, I don't know if you guys agree with me. I'm a real hater of closure. I just, I'm not a fan of it. I get, I get bored by it, and I think it like weakens movies. I think this could have ended 15 minutes earlier. Yes. I think, I think you got the closure as soon as he was being arrested from the high school. End. Like, I do not need the wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say him getting arrested was not 15 minutes away from the end. It was probably. Fair. Well, I guess maybe some, 10. Some amount like, of that's time fair. past yeah, yeah. the end. It could have ended like a couple of times and then it like kept going and I was like, eh, no. Yeah, the, it seems like they wanted to wrap up the like him looking for Lenin storyline. You, you got to set up the sequel. I was going to say, I think what they could have done is they could have cut from him getting arrested to the news report of him being told that he's never allowed to attend school in Quebec again, cut to him finding Vladimir roll credits, like kind mm. of some emotional resonance. Cause I think yeah. it would have like, given us a nice end of the story where it's like, and he's kicked out of it. Like, like he gets exiled. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then it just cuts to, cause like, I think that it would have been weird to roll credits on him on the judgment. I think you could have rolled credits on him getting arrested. Yes. But um, well, I definitely like... Fine. Arrested, and then, like, you just hear, as the screen goes dark, him, like, saying, like, hello, is this Vladimir? And then that's it. Okay. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, okay, so, like, the movie was two hours long, basically. It was a little long. Like, a little. It's not even a like for me. It's a, like, it didn't have anything to say after after the arrest. Like Okay. Like, yeah, like it, like, it was all just kind of emotional... Like, here's goodbye, here's closure for this, here's closure yeah. for that. And I'd much rather end on, like, a very high, which obviously the rest was, or a very low, where it's just like, no, but everything's actually despair. Not like a, everything is wrapped up nicely, he, like, ha he has a girlfriend now, for some fucking reason, etc. Yeah, cause, like, cause, like, 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 I see what you mean. Like, if you end on, say, like, freeze frame, him smiling as he's being put in the police car, 
that's a perfectly fine spot to roll credits. Yeah. Like, we know the kind of person he is. We know what his goals are. You can basically extrapolate what he's going to do after the credits roll. Like, if you want to, like, think about where his story would go. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think I think you guys are right that 99% of that is is superfluous. The one thing that I really liked was the news report of him going, like, the charges were dropped so long as he said that he'd never go to yeah. school and go back again. Like, that, I think was appropriate closure because yeah. like, um when he gets arrested like that would have like i i understand at that point that he'd won but it would have been weird to just go like i guess he just goes <laughs> now to, he's in prison now he's in prison. prison yeah yeah no I, I well and and also like him being not allowed to be in like him having to go on to ontario is like i think he was you spencer mentioned his exile yeah like he's been exiled like he had to uh, actually before we started up this episode i spent about um 45 minutes just reading trotsky's entire wikipedia page to refresh myself on his life uh and like yeah he had to he had to leave russia for several years actually it's actually kind of funny because he got basically booted around different countries in in europe um if i remember correctly he was first in turkey turkey went no we don't want you sent him to spain Spain was fascist at the time and went, oh, no, we don't want him. So they just like <laughs> dropped him off at New York in America. And uh, he like hung out in the US for a couple months before going back to uh, to Europe. Cool, cool. Yeah. That's uh, pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I think like, I, I think it's kind of split in hairs. Like, like I, I feel yeah, overall yeah, the movie yeah. does do a strong end. And I think like, yeah, you could tune it up a little bit here. You could tune it up a little bit there, but like, ultimately it's, you know, like it's not going to go from say an eight to a nine or like an eight, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, not, yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I, I thoroughly yeah. this movie. I thought it was fantastic. The only like nitpicks I have are with that like weird relationship with that chick. <laughs> which like i thought was just like honestly kind of boring and pointless and like i think it could end it a little sooner but like honestly i love this movie it was really good yeah i like 100 100 agree you can't have an 80s teen movie without a romance yeah i know you can't have fucking anything without a romance like i just yeah. want action sometimes and it's like no yeah. and i'm like ugh. kissing yeah. only if the point of kissing is that you're very quickly going to kill the love partner so that we can have feels because <laughs> i'm into feels I- Oh my god, I want to see, like, Heather, director, produce a movie. <laughs> Just oh, be yeah. on set of, like, no, the love interest will die! <laughs> <laughs> Can we kiss? Lightly on the lips, and that's it. And then we offer. Or, like, passionately, and then... Oh, okay, yeah. Like, horrible happens, obviously. You like John Wick, then, obviously. Yes, yes. There's okay. Tra- there's trauma. There's devastation. It's just like... There's cold, hard passion. Hello, welcome to the movie. Wife is dead. Dog is dead. She said, "Puppy, dog is dead." That that was so much worse than if you gave me a love interest. Like I felt so much more because that dog died. I don't Mm. fucking care about some random chick. That's why the Doom uh, games are so compelling. Mm. Because dog? No, because because rabbit. Well, also like Doom guy is. He shows up. He kills demons. That's all there is to it. Romance? No. No, no. His rabbit's dead, which is why he kills demons. All right. You always have to be keeping track of 
is he on earth and hell has come to us or has he gone to hell to take the pain to them or is hell on mars now with doom guy it's really it's hard, hard to track it's pretty much it's pretty much always on mars and or in hell is where hell is i think one thing that the one thing i want more after watching this movie is more actual canadian films yeah that is yeah. so fun and i like having references people like i'm so fucking tired of like la and like like a major american city like they're so fucking boring and like it feels really canadian in a really authentic way doesn't it? yes yes yeah also this is one of like the kindest portrayals of cops i've seen in quite a while uh, <laughs> i kind of don't see that portrayal like, recently um but like these cops were just like yeah they're just so like just like yeah this kid's a real fucker we're not gonna shoot no guns we're not gonna bust it on him it's just like isn't this kind of amusing guys i like when they show up at the high school at the end and they're like where have i heard this kid's name before and they're like didn't he start the strike at the factory <laughs> like, 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 oh yeah with like five people oh. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking cheerleading squad in the opening of the movie oh man oh. Music. Yeah, the every music time he's so like, giving a speech, and it's just like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> yeah, like Russian revolutionary music starts playing, USSR uh, yeah. national anthem. Like, like anytime he gets worked up, the yeah, Russian revolutionary music starts playing, and like I think I want that superpower. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, like the the OST in general, I thought was was like good. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it has that. some like real two thousand nine like pop punk yeah vibes, but like that's kind of what it was trying to do, right? I like their random like singer songwriter indie performance in the movie. Oh movie. yeah, <laughs> was yeah, like, that was that was like really. I was like, okay, like okay. I guess it's, we're just watching a concert now for a second. We yeah, had to, that like, that happened. Give our female lead the opportunity to realize that yes. She has fallen in love with a seventeen-year-old. Eighteen-year-old. Eighteen-year-old. Do you think she was twenty-eight yet? Huh? No. <laughs> oh, she's nine years older. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. They just happened to be ten years apart because he wasn't yet eighteen, which is oh. the proper age to be nine years apart from a person who's twenty-seven. Exactly. Which would happen in three months. Which would have by the time that it was vaguely November. She's not a child molester. Is what we're trying to say here. Yeah. And she slept with an 18-year-old when she was 14. It's basically the same thing. Yeah, I, I would say the, the, the thing about, like, the relationship or whatever is, like, if the genders were reversed, this would never fly. Like, if it was, like, a 27-year-old man. No. Uh, like, like, that just, like, no. It would no. feel weirder, for sure. Like, it felt a little weird as is, but it would feel yeah. weirder. I have to admit, I think a lot of it was helped just by the fact that, like, on screen, he's got two feet on her. Yes. Yeah, yes. I was thinking that when he was, like, towering yeah. over her. Yeah. Was like, oh, so sexy, so big. And it was like, yeah, okay, he does look like a full adult human. Yeah. He's so fucking tall. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to have had that friend talk about her affair with a kid. She was <laughs> yeah, yeah that... Preemptively that, answered yeah, the audience's concerns fucking, about her fucking... That was such a... That, she, like... Oh. Her friend was always very into 
making fun of of her falling in love with this 18 year old because she just really likes 18 year olds and finally found a way to bring it up (laughs) when she was drunk i also love um alexandra's big painting of a bed on her bedroom wall i was like looking at that and i was like oh they're gonna go collapse on that wait (laughs) i like i like turned this person i was like is that painted am i am i tripping out right now what the fuck it really helps though um for the shot right because you see them kissing and then you see a picture of a bed and you go oh i get it Uh, yeah (laughs) he has a concussion yeah, <laughs> I'm not even gonna remember it in the morning. Um, I I really love. Uh, so do you think you need a shower? Oh my god, <laughs> so good! What the fuck? Also, Spencer, what was your favorite line again in that movie? Um, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some girl, some girl dressed as Ayn Rand said that you threw her out. Yeah. <laughs> He's so dedicated. Oh. He's just like, yes, I did. Uh, also, when he uh, when he's uh, a sequence that I found both good and like awkward in a funny way was when he sets up his sister with uh, Skip or whatever. It's just like and the two of you will go go dance. My sister doesn't know anybody. Go go like just like the whole way he said it. And everything was just so fucking funny to me. I guess I definitely missed it being a Halloween dance. I don't know if they ever said that. Oh my god, it was the Black Panthers, too. Yay, yes. go us. We were not racist. <laughs> we, mean, we, on average, were not racist. Yeah, none of us. None of, none of us. <laughs> Just as I said. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so like I, I was just like I'm like it's just like it's like it's a social justice themed dance, but like I guess it's Halloween and that's why everyone is dressed up. Okay, all right, I got there. But that was that confused me briefly. Yeah, it did take me a second here. I was like, what is going on? This is suddenly very abstract. Because like because when I hear like high school dance, I just think like it's like prom. It's just like and just like imagine like people dressing up like that to prom and just like. Right. Huh. I also love that this like movie basically predates the current mainstream use of the term social justice. Yeah. Yeah, it does. 2009. That was so fucking good though when they walk into the hall and it's like the next thing that somebody suggests is what the theme of the dance is going to be. They're like, what do you think the theme of the dance should be? It's like social justice. <laughs> and they're just yeah. like, what? Oh. And there's just so many good insults in this movie. Uh, landowner. Landowner. <laughs> I love that one. Brown shirt, like I mentioned. And I, I love what the principal's like, my shirt is gray. And and like the 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 British woman who just like kept smirking at his bad one liners every fucking time. <laughs> and her her just the slightest orgasm the first time he tells off Trotsky. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't like that. She was there for the principal. She was the only teacher in the school. He he depended upon her fully. Very true. Yeah. She, there was the one teacher who was teaching um the Spanish Revolution or whatever, the history class where they first asked Mortimer Apathy. Yeah, oh, the, yeah, the Spanish uh, Spanish Civil War. Yep. <laughs> Anyone saw <laughs> <other than> the, um... <laughs> Yeah. Because <laughs> of course. 
but yeah so uh i like this movie a lot like i said like i watched i watched this as a kid and i don't think i 100 got it i definitely thought like wow i'm so cool for going to see an indie movie and like every like three or four years i think about this movie and go like holy shit i think this movie is really good yeah yeah it, it's definitely like it's a very strong uh, a very strong movie it's nice to nice to see it as like a canadian film and like this is almost a movie i'd want to like rewatch some other time too just to like pick up on stuff that i missed the first time yeah it was very quick and witty yeah like the writing was strong the character interactions for the most part were strong uh the like editing and the shots and everything overall very strong i'm glad you liked the actor too because like I'll admit that, like, I liked him, and, like, I obviously saw this before The Sorcerer's Apprentice, and, like, remember being excited for The Sorcerer's Apprentice, going, like, oh, I like this guy. Yeah, well, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to watch this movie right after Sorcerer's Apprentice was, like, I'm like, is he bad, or is it just Sorcerer's Apprentice is bad? And the answer to that is, it's just Sorcerer's Apprentice is a bad movie. Look. Scandals. Everyone knows that the pinnacle of cinematic achievement is to spend a good two thirds of your movie just dryly explaining facts about your universe. <laughs> I know the start of that movie was. So I long. was going to say, there's no better way to start a movie and get your audience hooked than like twelve minutes of exposition. Just twelve minutes of proper names of shit. Just like this is the something of what's it calls it, and that goes in the big box of protectorism. And like you just sit there going, like, holy shit, slow down! I can't take notes this fast. Yeah, and and the movie had no reason to be that crazy, like Primerlinian. What if you just called him the chosen one? I was gonna say we should start having a Primerlinian award for our episodes. The whoever thought of the pun. The Prime Merlinian was clearly so proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. So goddamn proud of it. They said it at every goddamn opportunity they had. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, yeah, Source Apprentice is bad. It's a bad movie. Uh, This actor, bad in that movie, great in this movie. Um, I like him as Hiccup. Who? He's Hiccup in How to Train Your Dragon. Oh. And the sequel and the seven seasons of the tv show I yeah I haven't, I haven't seen any of those movies oh we'll have to watch the first one's quite good and the i mean none of them are bad from my recollection yeah, like i heard they were all like pretty solid uh shall we move on to tougher stops yes almost anybody has any final thoughts are you going to lead the march out to tepper stops uh shauna insert like the ussr national anthem here Thank you. We have to maintain our momentum. Install it every day with And when I say like like actually get a get a rip of the national anthem please and put it here. It should be in the public domain. Yeah, it should be. I mean you can also send it to to Shauna and then she can do that. True, true. Uh okay, Tepper's Tops. This movie was pretty good. Wouldn't call it my my favorite movie, but hundred percent worth watching. Wow, you loved Ferris Bueller, eh? Yeah, yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Off was really, really good. It's known for it. Yeah, like it's kind of <laughs> hard to, you know, ask 100 people who have seen it. 99 will probably say like, oh, yeah, it was a really good movie. This might change because I need to think about this movie some more. 
but I think put this movie in the number 17 slot. Heather just quietly whispered, oh no. Oh, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I only have like one movie in here. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> number 17 uh, right below Back to the Future and knocking out Batman and Robin or duplicating it as I accidentally just did hey I'm into that it's a stronger stronger ratio here I mean technically a worse average by doing no, that no but if I have say two movies to start I'm sure True. the other one's lower than this one it's gotta be good for me um the villain, um... So is the villain capitalism or the principal? <laughs> I, I think the, the, the principal is, like, the antagonist of this one. <laughs> I put fascism, but obviously that can change. Because he's I, not just mad at the principal, he's mad fuck at fucking me, man. fascists. When he's following that British woman down the hall the first time and she's giving people detentions, <laughs> and it just, like, zooms in on his face and he goes, fascist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He seems honestly really pleased when he sees that he's like fascist. I yeah. <laughs> oh, that was actually so the the opening of the movie was so weird to do like a two days earlier, like yeah. immediately under such low stakes. But then you see that it is low but meaningful stakes. Yeah, yeah. And just the fact that like his first day there, within two hours, he has a per- the person he's working with calling the boss fascist, and three hours in, every single person is. <laughs> sitting out for their hour of lunch yeah no it was it was excellent um yeah this principal uh, i guess we'll just we'll just group everything under fascism he's fighting the system it was like fine uh i tend to prefer more like active antagonists but yeah we can good. see determinism to determinism's very low on the list yeah yeah it's kind of a weak villain determinism What's our highest, like, conceptual villain? I'm curious. Time at 28 from Groundhog Day. <laughs> I was just looking at Time. I was wondering what movie that was. I, I was trying to connect it. I thought it was a goofy movie because the colors are very similar. I was, like, I was like, what? Is that movie way deeper than I thought it was? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, th- I think for this guy, put him, or for them, put him, I think, in the number 40 slot. Number 40. Knocking out, oh god, Walker from, is that from the Ninja Turtles 3? Looks like it. Probably. Ninja Turtles 3? You guys didn't even watch Ninja Turtles 1? No. no. We will. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie in a half shell. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so knocking out Walker from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 and below. Oh, wow. Those are also similarly colored. So I'm like, oh, no, that is Pete from a goofy movie. It's a weird, weird place to put fascism because we have a very weird list. Yeah, it's uh, to be honest, I'm not like in the the middle of the as the list goes longer. The middle of the list kind of turns into this like mushy pit of like, I don't know, man, like I just love like I just love this list of like Pete Pete from a goofy movie fascism and then Walker, a a a gaijin who is trying to sell 
gunpowder or whatever to feudal Japan. That's the power ranking of villains. Yeah, down in the in the mid early forties. Well, I mean, we've got at the very bottom mischief Nazis. <laughs> they were very mischievous, and then misplaced Nazis. Not too many spots above them. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about the misplaced Nazis. Um, business dad, uh, Trotsky's dad. Yeah, the fascist business dad. Um, I don't think he's like, fascist business dad. I think he's landowner business dad. Yeah, landowner business dad. I think. Okay. Uh, he was his, like his son says he's a fascist, yeah. and he admits himself to be a fascist in the in the book he gave his son. Yeah. Uh, he he was pretty like middle of the road. Like a lot of his like issue, super, like super understandably frustrated. Yes, yes. Spencer nailed basically what I was gonna say. Uh, so he's like, ugh, what's like the dead middle of this list? Because I'd probably put him there. Uh, let me uh, see here. The Twenty There's... slot or so. Okay, so I guess like uh, Lieutenant Twenty One slot, Lieutenant Business Dad. Okay, below Anti Business Dad from Beetlejuice, and knocking out Lieutenant Business Dad from Wrongfully Accused. Yeah. And then for Never in the Glory, I think we can put, yeah, Leon. Yep, makes sense. Similar to Ferris Bueller, he may be able to uh, gather a group of his peers, but yeah, maybe so not as effectively. He can probably, like, summon his sister for support. I honestly just thought he would try to convince them to unionize. Also that. I mean, so, like, this entire group is, for the most part, teenagers, or at least people the same age as people pretending to be teenagers. Um, so that'll be it. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting like bracket. Maybe he, maybe he's been exiled to this to the forty native horse schools, uh, and he's going to try to unionize them. <laughs> Take your land back. Doubly so. Uh, but I mean, he's going to have a tough time against Baby Una Flux, I'm sure. And that completes that bracket. That's uh the lowest power bracket we've ever had yeah all right well i think that's that's it now we go into the ratings i i give this movie 25 years of paying rent over one landowner <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you damn i'm <laughs> there's just so much that happened in this movie i think i'm going to give this movie nine out of nine years difference between <laughs> Leon and alexandra oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh i give this movie one hostage kidnapping out of one revolution Good, good. <laughs> no. uh, um, uh, I give this movie the English half of Montreal out of the laughing stock of the city. Good. Good, good, good. As always, I've been your host, Ivan. I'm Heather. I'm Spencer. And I'm Tepper. And a special thanks to 8-Bit Jazz for the use of our theme song. You can find them on YouTube or follow the link in the description.
Downloadable Zebras is a dedicated group of friends that make independent content. If you want to support us and ensure that we stay ad-free, go to patreon.com slash downloadablezebras. For $3 a month, you'll get bonus shows and access to the special patrons-only section of our Discord. Thanks for listening.